0: Welcome to the Mammoth Training Podcast. I'm your host, Nick Willie. Happy Friday. Today, I'm joined by Dr. Thomas Troutman, and your, our episode today is being brought to you by Office Evolution of Eagle, Idaho. You can call Claudine and ask her for some office space at 208-513-1300. Let's welcome Thomas. How you doing, Thomas?
1: Hey, Nick. Hi. Thanks for having me on your podcast.
0: Yeah, sorry. We had a little bit of uh, technical difficulties there for about 10 minutes. Uh, I'm in a brand new uh, podcasting space um, at Office Evolution. So anyways, how are you
1: doing? I'm doing great. I'm happy to be on your podcast, Nick.
0: Well, I appreciate you coming all the way from France. Technology is amazing, isn't it?
1: Oh, yes. I mean... Years back, we should have taken the plane to meet.
0: Right. Yeah, sent something in the mail, and it would take like a month to get there. So, Exactly. So, uh, Dr. Trotman is extremely um, interesting. Uh, Thomas, tell us a little bit about, you know, where you grew up, um, you know, coming out of high school, what did you do, and that sort of thing.
1: Well, I grew up with well, that. I don't know if the podcast is long enough, but no, so let's be serious. I was born from German parents in Switzerland, so I'm German because you don't get the citizenship in in, in Switzerland. Mm -hmm. Uh, Lived nine years in Switzerland, then we moved to the south uh, of France, and that's where I did all my my scholarship. Uh, I left high school uh, to join a diploma engineering school in Paris, the diploma of engineering schools are something quite uh, nice in France. You study for five years, then you get a nice job. Uh, but uh, I wasn't done with studying. I, I thought when I was ending my uh, engineering studies that I would be done with it, and that's okay. Mm-hmm. So I started working for for a German company, Robert Bosch, in, Fran- in France. And after I think less than one year, I said, "Shit, I need to study more." <laughs> so I did some, uh, something equivalent to a master, but which is a special uh, grade in France that allows you to start with a PhD because I was, I was going for, for that, that path. So I started studying uh, algorithmics and artificial intelligence. I really hooked up with the artificial intelligence part and was lucky enough to be able to uh, do a, find a lab that was accepting me and sponsoring me to do my, my PhD then during three years so wow. i worked on artificial neural networks more specifically unsupervised learning models so uh, artificial neural networks who uh, find the solution by themselves wow so it was pretty cool
0: yeah i mean with everything uh, going on right now with ai you said you said something you didn't call it ai though you called it uh, artificial neurotransmitting or something? Can you say no, that again? Neural networks. Neural networks. Artificial
1: neural networks. Yes, at that time, I think it was in ninety-five, something like that. Can't remember exactly. Uh, the that's what we when we talked together. So we say that uh, system expert expert systems. Sorry, were the big thing, mm. and uh, we guys from the other world were were not accepting that those things were artificial intelligence. So we we didn't want to be called. Uh, as part of artificial intelligence. Right. But now artificial intelligence is mostly based on artificial neural networks. So it's pretty funny that uh, <laughs> it yeah. came back in force, you know.
0: That's that's hilarious. So, can you can you explain artificial neural networks cuz a lot of our audience may not really understand that terminology?
1: I have to remember it's 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 a few years back. Well, artificial neural networks is a way to present a, a set of data to uh, a, a grid of uh, of uh, what we call neurons of elements that will calculate the distance between themselves and the data coming in and the delta between that is what they will try to correct to adapt the most easily to the data. So mm-hmm. that was how it was 30 years ago. So I guess the algorithms have, have quite changed nowadays, mm-hmm. but uh, unsupervised was that you were giving them, you were dumping data in them and they were extracting uh, commonalities inside the data. And then there were the supervised artificial neural networks where you were providing them the data and the acceptable solution they should provide. And then they were correcting the calculation with the delta they were having. But I preferred unsupervised because I was feeling it more to be closer to human beings.
0: Mm -hmm. So so unsupervised being... Does the unsupervised neural network, does it learn on its own at all? Or is it still...
1: Yes. It does
0: actually learn on its own. It
1: balances, it it defines itself how it should work. But the problem is if you... That's the big problem with what it was. I hope they have improved the algorithms. Even I'm not that that sure. Because when you see some of ChatGPT's reactions, you see that it's very based on on learning by heart. Mm -hmm. So if you're always dumping the same information, the, the, the artificial neural network will then balance itself and become very static. So mm-hmm. if you were presenting a new set of data, even if it, was, it, has, it had nothing to do, the cell that was the closest to that sample of data would say, oh, I'm, I'm okay, I'm the closest one, so that data comes from my, my side. Mm-hmm. So I, I was working on, on the river pollution, so you could have uh, the, the data sampling itself around the biological uh, shit or something like that, and then a, a nuclear truck, a truck with nuclear waste dumps itself in the river. And the closer cell says, Okay, that's cold. Guys, I, I'm the closest one. That's cold, you know? Mm. So then you have the, the whole thing completely wrong. So my work, and as I said, when we were talking together, I think we were three or four guys doing that in the world. Yeah. Who asked to give some, I called it, my model is called bungee son because the bungee is something, you know, elastic. Mm-hmm. So that was able to pull cells out of the of the stabilized model, uh, snap them, and create a new neural map. It's called a map, like a and neural closer to the data. Yes. Wow. So like the the, the neural neural plasticity. That's, That's amazing. Was
0: fun. Yeah, I bet that was yeah. fun to learn about.
1: Yeah, it was playing with, with with data with samples and so on. Yeah, I mean, uh, PHG uh, may may sound pretty pretty cool, but it's uh, pretty. Uh, interesting or serious and so on. But in fact, you, you are lucky because you spent three years uh, researching, playing with data and so on. And, and the most stressful is when you start, you know, the very first mm-hmm. year, you are invited. In, in France, it's that way when someone presents the PhD, you know, in front of the jury. Mm-hmm. It's a whole exam. The whole lab is invited. And wow. when you are just starting, you have no clue what you're going to do, how you're going to do it. Wow. <laughs> Sometimes you don't even know why you are doing it. And then you see those guys who have studied for three, four years who come out with something that's just perfect. And you say, shit, I will never be able to do that. (laughs) And three years later, here you are, you invite the whole lab and you are pretty proud of yourself. And you use the most complex word just to piss the guys (laughs) who have started. (laughs) Because there is no reason they shouldn't suffer as much as you did. (laughs) Mm, You're right, right. So, I mean,
0: it sounds to me... just from hearing you talk about it, it sounds like you're like in a room, you know, boxed in a room, and you're just on a computer all day long. I mean, is that basically what you're doing, or or are you, you know, are you using 3D models of the brain? I mean, what, what is the training involved?
1: Oh, that's in what that, was at that. That, at that at that time for, since then, I have done a lot of other things. Mm-hmm. But no, research is the first thing that you research is that you research. Mm-hmm. So you read a lot of papers, of books, and so on until you. You find something that's missing and then suddenly say, shit, that's what I want to do. Mm-hmm. No, that's why I'm going in. And then you have, of course, your, your your thesis professor who has to agree with it. And then you start you start digging and creating and exploring and testing and seeing new things come out. So, yeah. And you have to write a lot of papers and go to conferences because you have at least, to have presented, I think, two or three papers if I remember well, but that was 30 years ago. Yeah. Um, so that you can present your thesis, you have to prove that you have done real research that you are a real researcher. So but, you got to get—I mean—you
0: got to get serious. You got to get committed to that project. Oh, to free. Become a PhD. Oh, in free. that Space.
1: Yeah. Yeah, and I think that's a good thing. I mean, we both are, are business coaches for uh, 10x business coaches, so we both know what commitment means. Mm-hmm. And there is something that I'm trying to uh, to teach to the people that I coach is visualization. You know. Mm. You have to visualize yourself uh, being in front of the jury and s- seeing them telling you, Thomas, welcome. You got your PhD, you know? Yeah. It's like I, 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 ra- I ran once. It's called the Marathon des Sables. It's an extreme uh, ult- ultra marathon. You run 240 kilometers over mm. seven days in the African desert. Yeah. And you have to train a lot. You have to run. I, I mean, I was running during the winter in the snow. To go do a race in the desert, don't wow. ask. <laughs> but every evening I was going. I had, a, I had a training program, but while I was training, I was seeing myself crossing the finish line. Yeah, uh, and and so I I already experienced it. So I I had the commitment to to go that distance, go through the pain and the training and so on.
0: Yeah, you know, I've heard uh, I've heard sports people say, you know, when somebody asks them about you know how do they hit how'd they hit a home run or, or some great athletic thing that they, they did, you know, and they'll say that they'll often say, you know, I did that a thousand times in my mind before I ever stepped out on yeah. the field. Yeah. So
1: it's pretty amazing. Yeah, it's, it's, it's a way to get your brain ready for it. Because nowadays I'm, I'm working a lot on the brain, using uh, brain science to teach people persu- ethical persuasion, how to get more um, essentially, trust, success, fun from the from the spouse, from the clients, grow their business using brain science. In fact, everything that people did before, well, there are some very successful people, and we too know one guy, especially, especially, uh, did it because they 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 learned a lot, they practiced, they tried a lot of things, but now we have science to, to back this up mm-hmm. and to explain why it was working. Yeah. And you can take a, a full idiot and get him at least at average level. In in a few in a few weeks, yeah. just because we use now brain science that allows to go way faster.
0: Yeah. So you've you've done. I mean, in in your half life, you've done more than most people, most uh, mere mortals, in three lifetimes. But you bring up a good point. The brain. You have a company called Happy Brains, right? Yes. Okay. Can you tell us a little bit about you know how you started Happy Brains, and have you always? Been in the brain, you know, the brain space. Even after your PhD, did you stay in those spaces, or or did you no, you know venture after, off and then come back?
1: Uh, well, I, I ventured off. In fact, I, I always wanted. That's pretty funny. I think it comes because my dad was a was a was a CEO, and I always uh, since I was a teenager, I always said I will one day have my own company. Mm. I already I even created a name. It was a TIC, the Troutman International Company. So it was very modest at that time. What was the company <laughs> name? The Troutman International Company. Nice, T-R-I-C. I love it. <laughs> think big, right? Think
0: big. Yeah,
1: exactly. <laughs> yeah. So it was fun. It was fun. Uh, and, and I think I, I well, I started as a diploma engineer. I, I, I became a scientist, but after that, I, I, I switched to marketing mm-hmm. because I, I wanted to have everything. You know, to have a very strong base before before moving up. And in fact, I spent quite a lot of time in in, in marketing. I did marketing at U.N. Parkyard. Then I moved to America Online. Uh, Steelcase, which was a very funny transition because I'm a high-tech guy. And Steelcase is office furniture. But uh, at Steelcase, I learned how to tell stories. Because, you know, high-tech stuff, it's easy. There are plenty of features. You can always talk about features. Even though you should not talk about features, by the way, Mm -hmm. if you want to persuade someone. Uh, and when you come to office furniture, as I always say to my colleagues who didn't appreciate it, it's a board, you know, with two, four tubes screwed to it. So right, don't 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 get abs- don't get hyped up. It's just the board, you know. Yeah, yeah. The screw is nice, but who cares about the screw that's underneath the desk?
0: Yeah, you know? don't explain so a rocket but, ship when you're talking about a board. Yeah, possibly. yeah,
1: yeah. I, one 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 day, I, I may be a bit uh, 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 a bit uh, vulgar here. That I had a guy coming, you know, working a friend working with the with the back and the seat of a new seat, the backrest and so on. And he said, "Isn't isn't that lovely?" I say, "You know, mate, that people are going to sit in this thing and fart in this thing. That's always <laughs> going to happen. Worry, so right. don't get all excited by it. You know, it's yeah. like, oh, you just kill my day." <laughs> so yeah. so anyway, but we had to tell stories. So that's that's where it started to kick, and that's why I met my my second wife, my wife actually. Mm. And uh, together, we went on, a, on, a, on vacation to Corsica, which is an absolutely lovely island in the Mediterranean Sea. Mm. And that's where we decided to, uh, to, to start to fund our first company, which is about uh, high-level motorcycle tours. High-level so, uh, motorcycle tours? Yes. Cool. Very very high level. So with the car, taking the luggages, luxury hotels, la-la-la. Mm-hmm. So uh, as we were marketing, we were pretty good on the marketing side, on the sales side, uh, it was uh, a bit less efficient, but we were, doing our, we were doing well. And then the 2008 crisis hit us. We were, as we were working in a, in a, in a niche of a niche of a niche. I mean, it was mm-hmm. motorcycle tours, high-end motorcycle tours in the south of Europe. So it was very a very specific niche. Yeah. Uh, so we had to stop that. So I went back to do uh, marketing for a high-tech company. And that's where I was lucky enough to uh, to try as a client what's called neuromarketing. So it was the using neuroscience to create marketing sales and strategy. And uh, during the workshop, the guys sold us. I told them, okay, guys, I want to join you. Mm. Uh, that's what I that's what I want to do, you know? Wow. Uh, and I said, well, usually, Thomas, we don't hire our own clients, <laughs> but it seems I, I was good enough at persuading them, and I became one of their, I think it, it, we were uh, something like six or eight uh, business reps and certified instructors in the world. So that was very cool. Wow. But uh, the nice thing with your marketing is that it targets the brain. So I was back into something I knew. Yeah. In fact, they were only taking people on board, uh, as as instructors who had done marketing, uh, entrepreneurship, who had the knowledge about the brain, because you have to have credibility. That's what we call in in persuasion authority. You know, if you come in and say, I'm going to teach you neuromarketing and in the past I have been a mechanic. Yeah, it's not right. flying, you know?
0: Yeah, they don't put the I say, pieces I have, together there.
1: Yeah, exactly. Say, so, uh, I'm an entrepreneur, I have a PhD in artificial intelligence, I'm going to talk to you about neuromarketing. People listen. Yeah. I, I can tell I can even tell shit. They will still listen, you know. It's uh, there is a very smart guy who wrote a book called uh, "The Six Rules of uh, Influence." The guy is called Robert Cialdini. Mm-hmm. <coughs> Excuse me. And authority is one of these rules. Yeah. It's like when you go to the doctor, the guy with the with the white coat, uh, you trust him to be the doctor. Mm-hmm. It could be me with a white coat, but as I have a white coat, I'm the authority. It it, it doesn't require a lot, you know. Right. So. Um, so then I did neuromarketing, was pretty cool, but each time I did a workshop or a training, neuromarketing is very focused towards the clients, and when you have people in the room, they don't get something for themselves. They get something that they can implement for their company mm. to target humans. So for me, there was something missing, and while having a discussion with my wife, the word humanity came out. You know, Neuromarketing is missing humanity. Mm. So that's why I said, I have to do something else, and that's how I created the ethical persuader system.
0: The ethical, ethical persuader is that that what you said?
1: The the ethical persuader.
0: Ethical persuader.
1: Okay. I'm playing a little uh, wordplay here because a persuader is also a gun. You know, when I put a gun on your in your face, it's a persuader, right? So uh, I I play with that. It's not an ethical one, and persuasion can be unethical. Manipulation is unethical. Influence can be unethical. Right. I mean, I, as I always say, a hammer can be dangerous. Yeah. With a hammer, I can build a house, but I can also smash your head. You know. Right. So persuasion has two sides. So I converted neuromarketing into ethical persuasion. So when I do workshops, when I do trainings, uh, people get something for themselves first. Mm-hmm. You know, they know, they learn how they can build trust, how they can get more success, and how they have more fun when uh, when talking with people. Mm. you create more easily a uh, recurring clients and so on so that's pretty cool yeah and at the same time in parallel I was studying uh, the difference be- between the male and female brain and okay. because we are not equals we are complementary
0: can you say that again I didn't hear you
1: well. male and female brains are not equals they are complementary
0: ah oh, okay just wanted to make sure okay. I heard that okay
1: yeah, yeah, yeah. I, and and I and I take every shot you want <laughs> <laughs> Both are not the same
0: exact being, Thomas. We're not the same exact being.
1: Yeah. (laughs) But the most funny is that if you look at our bodies, it's pretty obvious that male and female have very different bodies, you know? But when you look at the, if if you open the brain bucket and you pull the brains out, Mm -hmm. they look exactly the same. Mm -hmm. While in fact, they are wired very differently, they don't work the same way. So it's very, and, and that's what screws up every relationship.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Uh, and and it comes back like persuasion. It's the same thing from the fact that our brain stopped evolving 100,000 years ago. So it's not very clear. It's between 100,000 and 50,000, mm-hmm. but that still places our part of our brain back in caves.
0: Yeah, it's a long time so ago.
1: Upper, yes, exactly, yeah. and we are still running processes that were super useful. I mean, when you were attacked by a cyber tooth tiger, or, or by an enemy, the super important processes, you know, for survival. Oh yeah! And nowadays, those processes still exist and are still running, and mm-hmm. you can start them with just one word.
0: Which one is that?
1: Oh, it, it, it's when in a couple, for example, when she says, "Darling, we need to talk." Yeah. yeah. <laughs> the process yeah. Is, is is up in the in the male brain. Yeah. Or when 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 he says yeah later or maybe or whatever it starts in her brain mm-hmm. a- and animals are much better than us with this process because they can calm down the, the f- it's called the fight flight process okay. it's a pure survival process it's handled by the primal brain so the most deep centered part of the of the brain and i mean it's very powerful it 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 shots adrenaline in your system mm-hmm. so that that you get faster stronger your heart rate accelerates your breathing rate breath accelerates cortisol is shot so that you feel less pain blood is removed from your limbs so if you get hurt you don't bleed out mm-hmm. i mean that made sense 50,000 years ago yeah. I mean, you imagine that the whole process still runs with words even at work you know when say oh i have i have an advice for you you shouldn't do that look at body language i mean people get get blank and so on yeah, the whole process is there, and human beings need at least twelve to twenty-four hours to get the adrenaline level down. Mm. And the big problem is that uh, we we have the capability to stop that process with our upper brain, which we are nearly the only species on earth having, which is called the neocortex. Yeah. The only little problem is is that thing is two hundred times slower than our primal brain. Wow. So you know that you are going to say something stupid, but it's too late; it's already out. It's already coming and out then your you, mouth, f- yes. and then you think about. You now a very funny example: I was, <laughs> I, I'm doing, a, I, I'm doing horseback riding, and we're talking with a friend who said, the instructor just destroyed me. Oh. So yeah. Why? Because she said something, and I was, and I was going to, I, I didn't want to, but yes, but. <laughs> oh yeah.
2: yeah.
1: <laughs> and he said, the moment "but" came out, I knew I was fucked. <laughs>
2: <laughs> you were, so it wasn't really
1: out, and and the cortex was saying, "No, no, no! Don't say it! Don't say it! Yeah, yeah. It was too late. It wow. it was out."
0: <laughs> so, when, when it comes to habits, you know, so many people in business, and, and I want to I want to ask you about your um, your couples in business uh, thing that you're doing, but your married married people in business rather. But when it comes to your habits, Thomas, why is it so hard to change habits?
1: Because the the brain doesn't like to change. it's happy where it is even I mean uh, I always use that example of fighter pilots, jet fighter pilots. Mm. they have to practice 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 ejection because their brain the, the the one making the decision you have to understand that the part of the brain making the decision is the primal brain. Mm. I mean, it has been scientifically demonstrated without any doubt we make primal decisions that we rationalize afterwards. Mm-hmm. No, you, you buy a new watch. I mean, next time you buy something, just look what happens in your brain, you know? Yeah. You may buy a new watch and say, oh, yeah, I, I needed that watch, you know? Okay, it's 300 euros or $300. It gives you the same time as the 20 bucks one. Yeah. But no, it, you will find some way to explain, to justify to yourself that you made the right decision. Yeah. So that's the problem. And, and the primal brain is happy where it is. It does. It hates making decisions. So when you want a client or, or, or yourself or n- anyone to make a decision, you ha- you a- you're you asking the primal brain, which, by the way, runs at 90 to 100% of its capabilities all the time, mm-hmm. to stop existing processes and make that decision. It hates it.
2: Mm-hmm. it.
1: There has to be a reason, a very good reason. In fact, it has been proven. There has to be an immediate gain. To have an an the immediate gain? Brain. Is that what you an said? immediate gain. Wow. Yes, that's why it's so difficult to, to sell life insurance because life insurance is about death and yeah. the primal brain lives in a seven seconds window. What's wow. in the past? it doesn't know What's in the, it doesn't even know that the future exists. That's a prefrontal, prefrontal cortex thing. Wow. So that's the neocortex. So it's happy where it is. So if you don't practice, if you don't move from the, from the upper part in the lower part in the primal brain, the fact that you need to get out of the plane when it's burning, it will say, Oh, I'm fine here, you know? Okay, it's burning. Okay. The ground is coming f- pretty fast at my face. But yeah. here I, I control that environment. Out there, I have no clue what's going to happen. Yeah. So I, I'm happy. I will stay here. So you better practice a lot so that it says, Oh yeah shit, I have to get out. Okay, yeah. Makes so sense. so habits are just something, even if it's a bad habit, you know that you are not you're not going to do well. It's you are still keeping doing it. People smoking, for example. People drinking, for example. I mean, that's why the anonymous alcoholics, it's a very good example. They are efficient because I think the first thing they do is, it's, I'm Thomas, I'm an alcoholic, you know? You recognize it, and then you say, I will stop. But you don't say to yourself. You say it in front of people, and that triggers something again in your brain. Mm -hmm. So if you want to stop smoking, then say it to someone.
0: That's a good because point.
1: It, it's it's a commitment we are back to committing you know
0: well so how, with that point, how does accountability because that you're talking about accountability, right you tell somebody else it it creates accountability in the situation. What does accountability from an outside group do to your brain? it uh,
1: it, it triggers something it's one of one of the six rules um, ah. In fact, you have to do little steps to get somewhere, or when someone asks you something, uh, you you commit to it. But but there is a specific term for that, but I just can't remember it right now. Okay. And there are numerous examples where you can do that. Uh, One experience that they did run uh, with students in Australia, I think, Uh, a guy comes on the beach, drops his towel, uh, takes obviously his wallet out of the pocket and his phone, puts them on on the towel and goes for a swim. Mm. And here comes what's looking like a nasty guy who steals the wallet and the phone and runs away. No one stops him. Next time they try the experiment a few meters away, they do the same thing, drops the, the towel, drops the, the wallet and the phone, and goes to see people and say, can you please have a look at my stuff while I go for a swim? He yeah. just asks for people to have a look, period. Nothing more. Here comes the bad guy And they jump on the guy to stop him. Wow. Yeah. It's, you know, you just ask a little step and then you go more and more and more and you're ready to do way more. But I can't remember what the the exact term is, but there is one.
0: But that tells you you people, you know, what you're saying in that example kind of points out that it doesn't take much accountability to change your behavior if you, Right a little bit of, just one yes. little question was was enough to get them to all change their behavior and do the right thing
1: yeah because somehow uh, they from the decision making process they made the decision to do that because somehow they knew that they could become a superhero for example
2: mm. so playing like that
1: yes or something like that or in fact the, the the decision driver in the brain is called the subconscious frustration mm-hmm so typically, when you want someone to make a decision, you you don't need to talk about your products, about your company, about yourself. You should talk about their subconscious frustration,
2: uh-huh. which
1: they cannot express themselves because it's subconscious. So it's, it's it's very hard to dig that thing out. Usually, you you use people like me to help you find it. Okay, I can even go deeper. I did a few studies with some clients. We use a neuroscientific modalities tools. Like lie detectors, for example, you can go. I mean, IRM can even be used. It, it get it can get completely crazy. You can do absolutely crazy things. But yes, you have to find that subconscious frustration, and then you have to show them. Well, in the case of the of the beach example, for example, if we take that one, uh, I'm back to that game, and the mm-hmm. the the primal brain to, when it, it will make a decision. If it feels, and it has been measured, there are really guys who have a crazy life. Mm-hmm. It has been measured that, in fact, it has to feel a gain that is 2.3 times higher than the cost of making the decision.
0: We lost you for just a sec. Can you say that again?
1: Yeah. Okay. So the, the primal brain has to feel a gain that's 2.3 okay. times higher than the cost of the decision.
0: 2.3 so for times example, higher.
1: Two point three I don't know how they got wow. there, but they measure That's it. very specific. So for example, you are yeah, you are selling me something for one hundred dollars, mm. my brain at the moment you're trying to make me the decision has to say, okay, I'm going to gain two hundred, at least two hundred and thirty dollars. So if I ask someone to prepare to, to take care of my belongings, so oh if someone comes, I, I will jump in and I will show that I'm the best, I'm the strongest, that may be worth way more than the two seconds of looking at my stuff. Yeah? Wow. or if, if you sell let's be more pragmatic if you sell a CRM or something like that mm-hmm. you say to an IT guy the IT guy is a decision maker His subconscious frustration maybe I'm going to lose my wife because I'm spending all my time at work or I'm not spending enough time with my kids and you say well you know what if I can help you spend two hours more per day with your children Yeah, wouldn't that be great oh yes how do you do that well you just use that that CRM and here we go
0: Yeah,
1: you you don't need to say with the CRM, your company will gain blah 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 blah.
0: So what you're saying is not everybody's motivation is the same. You've got to find the person's motivation, dominant buying motive.
1: Yeah, in order for them to the sugar. Yeah, yeah. Well, in the business environment, luckily enough, they are very often by categories the same subconscious frustrations, Mm -hmm. and usually you will identify identify more than one so that you have a sort of toolbox. You can use the one that appears to be the strongest one, the strongest being the most painful, the one with the highest urgency, whatever. Mm -hmm. And if that doesn't work, then you still have the second one or the third one. And if you know that you have a group of decision makers, for example, the IT manager, the CEO, both make the decision to buy the CRM, you have to know the subconscious frustration of the IT manager and the subconscious frustration of the CEO. Yeah, and usually, from my experience, there is at least one subconscious frustration that overlaps the other one. So you start with the overlapping one, and then you go more specifically when you talk to each each of the guys.
0: Wow, that's really that's really interesting insight. It really is so. Can you tell us about your company? Your well,
1: current, yeah, Happy your Brains. Your current company,
0: yeah, Happy Brains.
1: Yes, it's called Happy Brains. Because when you help a brain making a decision, it's happy. <laughs> <laughs> That's great. And it's also called Happy Brains because uh, my why, why I'm doing what I'm doing, is that uh, I'm doing this to make people smile when they learn something for themselves. Mm-hmm. And when you learn something, you smile, a genuine smile. So, And when you smile, your brain rewards itself with endorphins, which mm-hmm. is the uh, 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 sort of feedback loop for, for making you happy and when you smile the people in front of you their brain even if you're not smiling your brain thanks to something called the mirror neurons are emulating the smile and shooting endorphins in that brain too so people more and more people will smile and that's if amazing. everyone smiles at the end our child children will smile and maybe the world will be a happier place i love that so that's why that's why happy brains
0: so tell me about your work with married business owners what what do you what are you doing with married business
1: owners? I'm there to get more, for them to get more trust, success, and fun from their okay. spouse, from their clients. Nice. So the trust is because uh, when they start to ethically persuade someone, their spouse, their clients, it will build trust because that's the only way. When you persuade someone, talking to their primal brain and reaching their subconscious frustrations, that brain will fall in love with you mm-hmm. because it will say, shit. That person understands me finally, you know, mm. and it will bring you more success because the brain liking you is going to do more things for you. That's called reciprocity. You know, that's a natural thing the brain does. If I invite you at my home and I give you a nice bottle of wine, you will feel obligated, mm-hmm. without me saying anything, to invite me too, and maybe you will come with two bottles of bottles mm-hmm. of wine. Yeah, even though I, I have said nothing. I mean, you can test it every day in life. You see that. Yeah. And more fun is because, uh, well, uh, on the client side, well, you, you spend more time with uh, with your clients. They become recurring clients. They even become friends. I mean, I have clients who become fr- who are friends, who are really good friends now. It's pretty amazing. Yeah. And one guy uh, two days ago says, Thomas, I love you. But really, the, the friend love, you know? Yeah. Wow, that's yeah. crazy. And more fun with your spouse because... Uh, yeah. Fun is a three-letter words. Yeah. You understand yeah. which all the three-letter words you can use for that. Right. Uh, I made a little study, and it's really, really impressive, is that 60% of business owners don't even remember the last time they had an intimate moment with their spouse.
0: Man, isn't that sad?
1: 60%. 60%. That's
0: a lot. That's, that's a lot of yeah.
1: yeah. Yeah. And, of course, business owners divorce way more than Uh, non-business owners uh, people in a normal job Mm -hmm. you know i i also had some fun and that's one of my of my of my uh, not selling arguments but ways to talk about it it's that if i mix all business owners all genders uh, together we are close to two million business owners who will lose their job or their couple uh, if it keeps going like that and and that's a nice business because and that's a very scary number. Yeah. Averaged through the cost of a divorce worldwide, that's a 1.47 trillion, not billion, trillion with a T business for divorce lawyers. Wow. So I have decided that we're going to hijack that money from divorce lawyers.
0: Yeah, and save some marriages. <laughs> that's amazing. That's a great cause. I love it. Well, I've got one other couple questions for you actually and then we'll have to wrap it up, but how does, how does, you know, Grant Cardone says the very first number one rule in sales is agree, right? Always agree. Mm
2: -hmm.
0: How, how does that relate to the brain and what happens when we become agreeable customer has a, 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 you know, um, an objection, right? And instead of fighting the objection or saying, Oh, we can't do that or whatever, we say, hey, I totally understand. How does being agreeable trigger the brain in a sales situation for the uh, client? Well,
1: in fact, uh, you put it well. It's we don't agree. We understand. Yeah. Yes, I understand your point. But first of all, we avoid starting the fight-flight process. Mm. Because if we start it in their brain, they will say something that will start it in our brain.
2: Gotcha. And
1: and then you are just screwed. You know? Even the smartest person, w- person will become an animal. Yeah. You, know, you will not show it. You will have a tie, you will have a suit and so on, but you're going to become a killer, you know? Yeah. So uh, when you understand, say, oh, you know, the other brain says, oh, interesting. What's going on here? Wow. But then you still come with explaining why I, that. Yes. Okay. It's too expensive, but there is a reason for that. Mm-hmm. And I'm going to explain it to you and you are going to agree with it. And so it's very different.
0: Wow, well, that's a good, I mean, that's really good insight. <laughs> It's just that simple to trigger the fight or flight. It's as simple as disagreeing oh, yes. with someone.
1: Yes. Wow. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. You know, I'm doing some real estate on the side, and someone today said to me Thomas, I, the other guys are gonna have some advice for you, and say, oh, that's an advice, Thomas. That's that person is not criticizing you. It's an advice. So
2: mm-hmm.
1: as I'm working on myself too with my own medicine, so uh, mm-hmm. I said, oh, let's listen, and and after that you you can feel it in yourself. You know that that reaction, say, oh, she, ooh but no, yeah. no, no it, it's good. It, it's learn something from that. You know, it, it was nice. That person wanted to help you bring an advice. Use it, mate, you know? Yeah. So it's very interesting when you know it, that when you know what's happening, you say, oh, it's That's still there. Cool. You know, that little animal is still there.
0: Yeah. It's animal, the animal inside your head.
1: <laughs> yeah. The primate. <laughs> yeah.
0: Well, um, i got a couple more questions for you. So, in your business and what you're doing with a 10X um, certification, what, what is surprising you in the business that you didn't really expect? Uh,
1: how, how would you mean that?
0: Like, is there anything in your business now that you did not expect would be happening when you got into it?
1: Um, I think the, the 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 pleasure of coaching. Mm. You know, I was doing a lot of workshops. I was doing a lot of trainings. Uh, I did, uh, I did some coaching, but small one. Mm-hmm. And so I start because I, I'm completely pivoting the business at the moment. So I'm really starting from zero. And so I, I, I'm giving for free uh, coaching. I'm doing one month of free coaching for to five people. So started yesterday with one guy, and it, it it's so nice because you, you really. F- you really see what's happening in the other person, you know? Mm. You, you can yeah. feel the person growing. And yeah. and that's so cool to be able to get to, to get someone to grow and to smile.
0: Yeah. It's rewarding. Right?
1: Oh yes, absolutely. Yeah. That's awesome. I mean, we all make decisions for ourselves. There you can say that you are the most empathic person on the world, you are still a self centered fucking asshole, if I may say so. You know?
0: This is a family because show, you, but I'll
1: allow it. <laughs> <laughs> it's uh, Yeah, it's my way to be. <laughs> uh, it's not the decision maker in the brain. is self-centered. Mm-hmm. Every decision it takes, it takes it for itself. For no one else, you know? Mm-hmm. Like, in 2023, why do you wake up every morning? You know it.
0: Yeah. Why? So you can eat and, and survive and, yeah.
1: Yeah, it's even worse that so that for you, you can you can eat. Yeah. Then maybe you are thinking about your family.
2: Yeah.
1: That you wake up to eat, and well, in 2023 to eat you have to go to work. Yeah. So, but people think no, because I, I I like to do sport or I want to go to my job because I have a nice office. No, you just want, need to eat. You know. Yeah. Yeah. You you go hunting, and the hunting nowadays is you sit behind a computer or you get on the phone or yeah. you you build something or whatever.
0: Like yeah. you said, it's interesting. The brain hasn't. The brain hasn't changed in however many hundreds of thousands of years, but society's changed so much, and and, yeah, it's
1: interesting. Yeah, in fact, one part of the brain hasn't evolved, while the other one has made the world evolve around us. Mm -hmm. And and there are so many things that change so fast, like, like, like human relationships, you know? The role of the man in the society, the role of the woman in the society. It's not how we how our brains were built, you know? Yeah. So it, it it flows a lot of confusion. Women are growing in power, which is very nice, very acceptable, but it confuses a lot of men. I mean, that's why you see uh, shows like the from Andrew Tate. Now the guy has disappeared because he went to jail. Mm-hmm. But he was doing all that thing around young men, you know, to yes. empower young men again. Yeah. And that's typically driving back to the, the male brain where it was, you know, because the male brain is, is completely confused. Many men are confused by what should I do now? Yeah, where am I? Yeah, what's happening here?
0: Yeah, what's my place now in society,
1: basically? Yeah, because we were the hunter-gatherer Again, that's generic. There are always exceptions. Yes. Because each time I say that, yeah, but they found they found uh female skeletons with with spears and so on. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Some societies had, but generally speaking, men were the hunter gatherers and the women were the, the were the hunters and the women were the part of the of the of the group. Yeah. And that's why there is the female sixth sense. It, it's not magic. It's right. Just that women have a better reading of of. of of subconscious signals, of, of uh, physiological signals. Because mm-hmm. they needed, the tribe were, was gathering around them. So it was important for, for women. It's also yeah, why the, the, the female eye is differently built from the male eye. Our eyes are different. They don't perceive light and images the same way, like colors. Yeah, it's amazing. And that, has, that has evolution in it.
0: Well, I have, I, I believe it was created by a creator, but that's a different podcast for a different day. You know what I mean? Yes, um,
1: and a lot of, uh, and a lot of beer. Yeah.
0: <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, my last question, really, uh, before I ask you how people can get a hold of you, is, what do you want your legacy to be, Thomas? I mean, when you're when you're gone, how do you want to be remembered?
1: As ah, the guy who made the world smile.
0: Ah, that's a great. I, I love <laughs> that answer. Yeah, the guy that made the world smile. Well, you've made me smile today, and I'm sure you've made our listeners smile a lot as well. Uh, I, I s- so. appreciate you coming on the show. Uh, where can people find you?
1: Well, the easiest is, is, uh, is on, on my website, which is www.happy-brains.com. And you can also find me as Thomas Hartman on LinkedIn. I'm the bold one. There are some other Thomas Hartmans, but I'm the bold one with a brains right. behind me. <laughs> So those are the two easiest ways, ways to find me. Of course, know, you can find me on YouTube. You can find me on TikTok, Instagram, Facebook. The usual criminals, you know. Yeah, Always with so much help on happy brains.
0: Right on. Well, thank you so much. And also, you know, if, you guys, if you're out there and you need an office space or just a desk to work at and you're in the Boise area or Eagle, uh, come out to Office Evolutions. Talk to Claudine and she'd be happy to fix you up. Thomas, thank you so much. It was good seeing you again. Thank you, Nick, for having me. And uh, we will talk to you next time.
2: Thank you, mate.